Risen Lord Jesus, that you would manifest yourself in the preaching of your word. Amen. It may, or may not, uh, come as a surprise to you that I find writing the Easter sermon a very difficult endeavor. Uh, part of it is you think, well, Andrew, if you can't preach Easter or Christmas, get another job. Uh, and indeed, the message is so clear, but how do you preach it differently uh, from year to year? as compared to the events that lead up to Easter Sunday, there's a lot more drama going on. I mean, in Palm Sunday, uh, we have the liturgy where the crowds shout out and they wave palm branches. Then Monday, Thursday, you're invited to see this supper of the Lord and Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And indeed, Good Friday, as you walk the way of the cross and the crowds shouting out, And then as Jesus dies on Calvary, uh, you're invited to that place to come and see, to behold the man. Now, certainly the bodily resurrection of our Lord is dramatic. But think about how the Gospels talk about it, that they lay his body in the tomb and then they seal it up. And then the next time we hear about it is the ladies are going out to minister to him in the morning to anoint him. And then they're sent away. They're not invited to say, but they're told to go. The Gospels go out of their way often to name places and people. Uh, We know where certain places are today because the house was named on a certain street. And yet, to this day, we really don't know where Jesus' tomb was. And I often think about that. that Why is that tomb, even though it's of significance to us in the resurrection, Why is it that in the Gospels we're not asked to dwell there, to rest there, as we are in other places? And it all came together several years ago when Lauren and I were in the Holy Land uh, going to all these wonderful sites. And in Jerusalem, there's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which... This huge church encloses both the Mount of Calvary where Jesus died, but also where they believe his tomb to be. And it is now no longer a simple tomb, but it's elaborate and covered in marble. And uh, Lauren and I went up and and visited where the cross was. And we know for certain that that's where that was. Uh, But as we made our way down to where the tomb was, the line was extraordinarily long. And we waited and we waited And we waited, and we knew that there would be a disgruntled Armenian monk there to tell us to hurry up. This is where Jesus was risen, move along, uh, unless you gave him a couple dollars. Uh, But as we waited in line, there was this guy in front of us, and it was a couple. They were from Texas. And I know that because he was a big man that had a shirt that said, don't mess with Texas. And he had shorts, a fanny pack, Birkenstock sandals with tube socks on. And so this guy, not easily mistaken for a tourist, uh, but there he was in line and he was getting all fidgety. And finally he looked at his wife and said, I'm out of here. I'm not waiting in line for this. His wife said, Are you, we've come all this way, and you're not even going to see Jesus' tomb? And he goes, wow, there's nothing there. It's empty. <laughs> off he went. And off Lauren and I 
went as well. <laughs> Our friend from Texas is right. There's nothing to see. He is not there. Jesus has left that tomb for you and for me. Now, it may be that you are one of those individuals that can believe in a teaching Jesus who was executed on a cross 2,000 years ago outside of the city of Jerusalem. But it's hard for you to believe in a resurrected Jesus, a divine Jesus. You are not alone. I've uh, really been keeping track of this interesting story in England. There's this charity company that makes chocolate bunnies every year for Easter. And they donate all of their proceeds to charity. Uh, so it's a wonderful thing that they do. But uh, in this box with the chocolate bunny, there's also a little booklet that's called The Real Story of Easter. And in it, it talks about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's a little cross in the package. Well, most... Most grocery store chains in England have decided not to carry it. Now, rightfully so, the church has been up in arms about it because it's simply too Christian in the minds of the grocery store. But it was very telling when one PR officer from one of the grocery store chains said this, What has Easter got to do with the church? Well... What a ridiculous thing to say, but it's the church's fault. The failure to commend the faith that is in us and to proclaim that Jesus is alive. This Good Friday, which is easier to preach, and this Easter Sunday, you see, they, they go hand in hand. They come together. It would not have been enough for Jesus to simply die of pneumonia on Friday. He was the sacrificial lamb who died for our sins. He stood in our stead when the judgment came. And we have been forgiven because of Jesus' death upon the cross. Our sins are nowhere to be found as far as God is concerned. In spite of our guilt, we have been found not guilty. And walk away free men and women. But if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we would have no assurance, over or assurance of victory over sin and the grave. They go hand in hand. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, that would mean that death is the most powerful force on the earth and that Jesus is a liar. It would mean that death has the final word, and we would be wise for us, it would be wise for us to live life with reckless abandon. Better enjoy it now, because this is it. And death would one day swallow everything up, and then nothing, not even God. Jesus' resurrection means that death has been defeated and has no dominion over us. God gets the final word. God's love for us in sending his son to die upon the cross and raise his dead body from the tomb not only saved us from sin, but delivered us from the sting of death. Paul tells us that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He was raised so that you might be raised. His resurrection is just the beginning. Death for the Christian is not something to be feared. But death is real. We should not test its power. Whenever we go up against death, we sheep lose. But that is why Jesus does battle with death on our behalf. His victory is our victory. Death's doom is sure. What does this mean for us? It means that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not on us. A recent high-ranking church official wrote this in their Easter message, quote, As Christians, we need to proclaim and confront head-on that because Jesus rose from the dead, we no longer have any more excuses or, quite frankly, any more passes. That, my friends, is a theology of death, not of life. Because the truth of the matter is that in Jesus Christ, because of his death and resurrection, you have infinite passes. You don't need excuses because Jesus Christ has excused you permanently from the bondage of sin, death, and even obligation. Jesus does not say, go and do, but he says, it has been done for you. When this truth sinks down deep in your heart, you no longer live your life in fear of death, but in light of the death and resurrection of another. You realize that you are free, no longer a slave to sin and death, but an heir of the resurrection unto eternal life. This week in Kenya at Garissa University, about half a dozen gunmen associated with militant Islam killed over 70 students in their dorms. The BBC talked about a student named Collins Wintangela. And he said that when the gunman entered his hostel, he could hear them opening doors and asking if the people inside were Christians. He said, if you were a Christian, you were shot on the spot. With each blast of the gun, I thought I was going to die. The heaviness of that, but this student Collins saying that with every gun blast that he knew he was going to die. Now God spared his life, but it never occurred to him that he might lie, that he might renounce his faith. But in the deaths, deaths of these individuals, we hear... The words of Martin Luther echoed, world, death, devil, hell, away and leave me in peace. You have no hold on me. If you will not let me live, then I will die. 
but you won't succeed in that. Chop my head off, and it won't harm me. I have a God who will give me a new one. My friends, Jesus has been raised from the dead. The tomb is empty. By his cross and resurrection, your sins have been forgiven, and death has lost its sting. Your redeemed life is the drama of the empty tomb. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when our sin burdens us, when the devil whispers doubt into our ears, say to death, the devil, and even yourself, Jesus is alive. Now hear the words of Jesus Christ spoken through the mouth of Melito of Sardis on Easter Sunday in 195 A.D. Who is it that contends with me? Let him stand in opposition to me. I set the condemned man free. I gave the dead man life. I raised up one who had been entombed. Who is my opponent? I am the Christ. I am the one who destroyed death and triumphed over the enemy and trampled hell underfoot and bound the strong one and carried off man to the highest heights of heaven. I am the Christ and I am alive. Amen.